Welcome to Shrink for the Shy Guy. This is the show for you if you are sick and tired of being held back by fear, self-doubt, social anxiety, shyness, anything that's stopping you from you being you. I'm going to share the most powerful tools and resources that I've been discovering over the last 15 years on my journey to eradicate social anxiety and instill confidence, first in myself and then in every single person that I meet on my journey. You're going to learn these tools and how to apply them in your life now so that you can become the most free, powerful, bold, authentic version of you. Hey, welcome to today's episode of the show. Today is a special day. It is December 31st. Exciting. That means tomorrow is a new year. Do you get excited about the new year? I certainly do. I know a lot of people don't, or a lot of people have a kind of a, you know, resolutions don't work, so what's the point of those? And there's kind of a a negative perspective on that, and uh, that's true. I think uh, New Year's resolutions don't work for most people, and there's, you know, stats and surveys they've done that that can verify that, but uh, what if you're not most people? What if you defy the odds? Because here's the thing, there are many people who radically transform their lives, who pick a habit and stick with it forever, or as long as it serves them to profoundly change their life, and then they upgrade their habit, which we'll talk about today too. There are people who make a decision on one day. It doesn't have to be New Year's Eve, but they make a decision on one day of their life that they're done with something, they're done with the relationship that they're going to break up, or that they are done running from their relationship, and they turn it around, they turn towards the person, they move towards them with, with more courage than they've ever had whether that's the person they, they want to meet and they want to date and they ask them out, or that's, that's you're already in a relationship and you dig deep inside of yourself. Every part of you wants to run away, but you dig deep inside of yourself to say, you know what, if I run away from this person in this moment because I'm scared, because I'm scared to be authentic, scared to be real, scared to have a conversation that I know I need to have, guess what? I'm going to hit that wall in my next relationship. And I've definitely been there too, at a pattern of being avoidant in relationships after I overcame my first layer of social anxiety, which was I can't talk to women, then, you know, I started to date women and I realized I had another layer of social anxiety, which is I can't reveal myself to women. I can't really be known deeply. And, and you know, it took a lot of years to figure that out because it wasn't that much of a conscious thought. It was just what I consciously felt was aversion. I got to get out of here. <laughs> and, I, and I did, you know, for many years. And then eventually I met Candace, uh, my wife now. And it was like, wow, I, I want to go further with you. And then sure enough, as time went on, though, I hit that wall of I got to get out of here. And I thought, you know, if I run now, like what what am I running to? What am I to what? It's everything I could ever want in a person. She is meets me in every way. You know, every time I've been, you know, I left a woman that I was dating before. It's like, wow, she wasn't more of this. She needs to be more like this. Candace was everything I could want. She was the perfect fit for me. She was intelligent. She was powerful, she was beautiful, she was sexy, she was funny, she was fascinating, she was as into or more into growth than me, she was incredibly skillful in communication, she was wise, she was spiritual. I was like, what, what else am I running? I'd say, and, th- and that's when I realized, like, oh, I'm not running away, I'm not running to anyone else, I'm just running away. And then I made a decision, one clear decision. This is the person for me, I'm not running no matter what, I'm going to go inward. 
And then we had a, a powerful conversation where I actually revealed my insecurities and my fears and my the part of me that wanted to run away in a way I'd never had with a woman before. And instead of her being, I don't know, upset, freaked out, get away from me, you're a weirdo, she was curious. And we talked and we talked and we talked. And that was the beginning of me realizing like, oh, oh, I can go much, much deeper than I ever realized and, and revealing who I am and what's going on for me and people aren't going to run away from me. And that's really when my, my confidence journey shifted from, you know, how do I look confident? How do I say the right thing? How do I have the good social skills? Because I was building all that stuff. And those are very useful. And I teach those. And, you know, I probably learned some of those things from this podcast. But I think the deepest confidence journey comes from when we are able to reveal ourselves in, our deep, in, in forging those deep relationships. People don't Think of that as, you know, the most confident move, perhaps, because, you know, to watch that person suavely walk into the room or, you know, give a presentation in a composed way, it's very uh, public. We see that. Oh, wow. Wow, that's so confident. That person's so poised. But, you know, walking beside someone who's your lover or your best friend, no one notices that. No one cares. But to create that, to forge that, and you can't fake that. You can fake it to the outside. People can look at you and say, oh, what a close couple, or, oh, you know, that's, that's one of my friends. But you know inside, if you feel deeply met, deeply seen, deeply loved, just that ease and relaxation of knowing you can be 100% you around this person, then you forge that with courage. And that takes a one decision, a singular decision, and then you follow that up many, many times, of course. So that's just an example. So what if you made a powerful decision for this year. And again, it doesn't have to be on New Year's, but I think it's a pretty freaking good time. I love it. In fact, I actually get started with my my goals and plans for the next year, probably about a month in advance. My birthday happens to be in November, and so I really start thinking about, okay, this year of my own personal year, what do I want? And then it happens to, you know, I get some momentum by the time New Year's comes around. So we're going to get into some goals and some visions and what you really want for this year. How to make 2020 even better is what I want to focus on today. But there's something I want to do first that I think most people overlook and they don't realize that it can majorly interfere with you carrying out whatever habits and disciplines you want to need to do in order to get the goals and life that you want in 2020. And that is letting go of something from the past, specifically from something in 2019. But it could be further back too. Because what happens is we experience something painful in the past. And, you know, maybe the, the intensity of the moment passes. You know, you have a painful breakup, you get really sick, you, have a, you lose a job, you have a downturn in your finances, you, some, a family member gets ill. Something, something that's a painful period of time. I mean, even good things could be a painful period of time. You know, this year I really was scaling up my business and there was some anxiety in there. Some there's a lot of anxiety. There's periods of a lot of anxiety in there, um, and I'll share another thing that was a good thing that actually led to a major challenge I needed to really let go of coming into 2020 here. So, whether it's a quote positive or negative event, it's just we get overwhelmed, we get anxious, we have we have challenging feelings basically during this time, and it could last for you know a couple weeks, a couple months, could be just one day, whatever it is. It's something that the the immediate pain of it might pass. You might be like, oh yeah, we broke up in January and now it's December, so psh, I'm over it. Are you? <laughs> That's the question, right? Time is not necessarily the solution for getting over something. We need to 
consciously let go. We need to emotionally, mentally, and even physically in our body and energetically let go of that situation of that person. Because here's the way we hold on to it is what happens is we experience pain sometime in 2019. And as I'm saying this, maybe you can think about, is there anything from this year that you're still holding on to? Maybe that'll come to you. For, for me, when I started thinking about this, nothing came at first. I thought of a few little things, but the, the, the thing that really impacted me came the, later that day, actually, as I thought about it. So maybe it'll come to you later today. Maybe it'll come right now. Maybe there's, maybe there's a couple things. And it's unresolved. It's still there. You're still hurting about it. You're still sad about it. You're still uncertain about it, even though time has passed and you don't you know, maybe think about it every single day. Or maybe you do. Huh? But in any case, there's this pain, and then we come up with a meaning or a story around the pain that can guide us for 2020 or the next 10 years or more. That's why it's so important to identify and let this go. Because even though the immediate pain might be gone, you made a decision that time. So let's say, you know, you had a breakup earlier in the year and it broke your heart. You might have made a decision. I'm never going to open like that again. And here's the thing. And the reason we want to examine this stuff is because we sometimes we proclaim that. <laughs> you know, you say it to your friend, man, love hurts. I'm never opening up again. Right? Maybe. But usually those decisions are made non-verbally, partially, consciously. It's just like a, it's like a form of resistance and gritting our teeth and inside emotionally like that. And like we're, we fight the pain so much. That there's some version of like, never again. I don't ever want to feel this way again. And then that, that sort of formulates into, I'm not opening up again. Or perhaps, you know, there's an illness in your family or someone got sick. And then, you know, you, you come up with some decision like, I'm going to, make sure that no one ever gets sick again. And, you know, that might sound, maybe you're going to eat healthy now or something. It might have a positive effect, but it also might have an erotic effect, right? Maybe you're like, you get a little, you get a little um, hypochondriasis. Well, well, I got to go check my medical stats again. (laughs) I got to go to the doctor, get my, get my reports again beyond the, you know, regular checkup. That seems like a wise, prudent move. I'm talking about a little, a little fear in there. Or maybe you, you, you injured yourself physically and then you're like, you haven't really pushed that area anymore. You're like, well, I don't want to break myself again. And you have the story, and I know this one sadly all too well. Uh, I'm physically incapable or I'm weak or I'm prone to injury. And then what does that do? That changes your whole physical life for 2020 and beyond. It limits you. So these decisions, these painful moments that lead to these decisions limit us radically. So what's something that happened for you in 2019? I'll give you another minute to think on that as I share a story about what I discovered about what was a loose end from 2019 that I needed to clean up. And that was actually a positive event. So about midway through the year in June, we got two puppies, two Cavalier Kings. Oh my goodness, they're adorable. I don't know if you've ever seen a Cavalier King. They're technically called Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. And they're these like small dogs. They're about 20 pounds when they're full grown, give or take. Ours are 19 right now. And they are... Uh, usually black and white, sometimes brown and white and black. Long ears. They kind of look, have you ever seen Lady in the Tramp? I think she's a spaniel too, but uh, smaller than that and, and usually multicolored. Very, uh, very cute, sweet dogs. Uh, they like to curl up and be cuddly with you, but they're active enough that they can run and stuff too. So awesome dogs for a family. And I, it was about 
two months before then, because we got them in June, but the, you know, we had to, maybe it was a month before that. Somewhere in there, maybe it was around May. I was sitting at work, just doing my thing at my computer. And then I have this intense, no, actually it started before that. It was, um, I was going for a run in the morning and it was the darkness and I was running through this park. There's these lights illuminating the, the path in the park. And I had this vision, I guess you'd call it. It was a sense, but it was like I, I could almost see it with my eyes open of a dog running next to me. I'm like, that's weird. <laughs> okay, whatever. And, uh, you know, we've actually thought about getting a dog two years ago. And uh, my son Armand at that time was about almost two. And the idea of, we, we were really close. We were going to go pick out a puppy. We even put a deposit. <laughs> And we were going to pick up the puppy, and my wife and I looked at each other, and we were like, both having so much anxiety. Like, I can't do it. Can you do it? You can't do it. I can't do it. Because, you know, I was just crazy, man. We had a four and a two-year-old. They're still two-year-olds pooping in diapers, still cleaning up his poop. And we're going to throw in a dog into the mix. And especially because we started, you know, researching about dogs and studying about training, and it just seemed totally overwhelming. So we, we put it on hold, put it on ice. Anyway, so I'm running in the park. I get this image of a dog. And I am, you know... I'd already closed off to that idea. I'm like, no, it's too much right now. So I just noticed the thought and said, huh, that was weird. And then I and I got got home. And uh, Candace says to me, you know, I had a dream last night. I said, what's that? She said, I had a dream that we had a dog. And somehow, <laughs> that vivid vision that I had and, and her saying that, something happened where it was like this, I need to get a dog. We need to get dogs. And it wasn't even so much of a desire. It was definitely a desire, but it felt like a knowing. It felt like a must. It felt like it felt like this is happening. And I don't know if you've ever been guided by intuition or by a higher power or God, or if you tune into that or if you look for that. I certainly have. But this is what this was one of those things where I'm like, God, what what should I do? Hello, hello. Is there? I'm gonna tune. I'm gonna try to get my intuition working here, right? It was more just like it's happening. Do it. I'm like, okay. So I go to work that day, and instead of like working at all, I just spend the whole day on my computer, like how to find dogs and, and which breed. And we, we don't even have a breed in mind. We, we thought we were going to get a Labradoodle before, two years ago. We had no breed in mind. So I go online. I look, start to look around for like what breeds are good with kids. And that was like literally the first one that came up. And I looked at it. I was like, that's the dog. And I texted Candace, and she's like, yeah, yeah, that, that's the one. And uh, which is crazy. I mean, we spend so much time the first time looking through breeds and researching and everything and we just like dropped all that this is the one and then so you know look around and uh, one lead falls through and anyway relatively quickly by Wednesday of that week two days later we have a, a visit that we can go you know look for a puppy so it happens to fall when we have some child care so we go drive down about an hour away to this little town outside of Portland out in the farm farm fields and there's these uh, beautiful little puppies there's like six of them and uh we're holding them. There's the little, like, alpha of the group. And we did a little research, and, and uh, Cesar Milan, the dog whisperer, and others uh, recommend not picking the alpha of the litter of your puppies unless you want, like, probably a dominant, high-energy dog, uh, especially the alpha if it's high-energy. And sure enough, there's this cute one, really cute, who's, like, knocking over his brothers and sisters and, like, jumping out of his pen and, like, trying to climb on you, which is kind of cute. But then you're like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> You're going to be crazy. You're crazy. So uh, we, we didn't get that one. And we didn't get the runt either because, you know, don't you want the runt? What if they 
they're weak, sickly. So we got, uh, there's, there's, uh, and then one was a girl. And she's like, no, I'm keeping that one. But there's these two boys, you know, you can have any one of these four boys. We don't want the alpha. We don't want the runt. And then there's these two ones in the middle. And so we're like, which one is it? You know, so I, I'm holding one and they're tiny. You know, they're like, I'm making a gesture with my hands, which you can't see right now. You know, I don't know. Like a, like the size of a Coke bottle. <laughs> you know, it's not that thin, but maybe small. I don't know. They're tiny. And so I'm holding one. And uh, and then Candace is holding one. And then, uh, you know, the one I'm holding is kind of like tense on me. And the one she's holding is just like butter on her. She's like, I like this one. And the one I'm holding is a little tense. And then he relaxes onto me. And I'm like, I like this one. And I'm like, well, let's trade. So we trade puppies. And I'm holding one. She's holding the other one. And meanwhile, up to this point, Candace has been, I don't know about anti-puppy. She's definitely on board. But she was kind of like multiple times in this several day frenzy leading up to this this meeting she's like are you sure i mean <clears throat> what about this what about that what about the responsibility what about the time commitment what about the training what about the this what about the cleaning up the poop you didn't thought you didn't want to do that what about the getting up at night because you got to get up at night with them and everything she said what about travel you know everything she said <clears throat> i was in such a, ta- a state of total absolute certainty that this is what we were guided to do i had an answer to everything well after this i'll just get up with them every night <laughs> whatever you know no matter what do it no matter what Anyway, so she was a little more hesitant, but but willing. She wasn't like, hey, absolutely not. But she's definitely more uh, perhaps realistic about what, what was to come. <laughs> not me. <laughs> realistic. Who needs that? So then we're there with these two puppies in our arms. And then, then, then she looks at me and she goes, what about two? No, that's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. But look, at this point, all I needed was a little bit. The door opened just a quarter of an inch, and I jammed my foot and my body through like, okay, let's get well, I was like, well, let's just ask her. So I asked the woman, the, the breeder, right? Hey, you know, do people, what about two? And what do you think the breeder's going to say, right? That's like asking a barber if you need a haircut. <laughs> it's like asking the guy at the restaurant, like, should I get the cheap bottle of wine or the expensive bottle of wine? <laughs> What are they going to say? Of course, the breeder's like, yeah, yeah, two is great. I mean, ever, people that get two love it, you know? And so uh, so I'm like, yeah, we should do two. And Candace is like, whoa, 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 let's do a little research and uh, and then decide. And so I'm like, okay, okay, we're not going to commit to two um, now. But, uh, well, how about this? Let's put a, uh, the, the, the deposit on two, and then if we, we'll get to let you know. Um, well, no, no, Candace was like, we should wait on it. And I was like, no, we're going to. Let's, let's do this. Let's put the deposit on two, and then we'll tell her that, hey, give us a, a day or two, and then we'll, if we want to just put all that money towards the first one, then you'll free up the second one. She's like, okay. I said, great. So sure enough, we're driving home. We're looking it up. And most of the stuff on the internet's like, don't get two. <laughs> it's a shit ton of work. They can get littermate syndrome. And I'm like, Psh, I got an answer to all that. I know nothing about two dogs, but I'll tell you what I, I'll tell you what I know. Anyway, so we decide that she really wants two, too. So we, we decide we're going to get two dogs. And then, you know, a month goes by and we're going to go pick them up. And I'm so excited. I'm just feeling so on fire that month between May and June, like utterly on fire, lit up, just crushing it at work, um, emotionally aware, light, free, loving, just beautiful, beautiful month of my life. And I don't think I knew exactly why, but now I do. Because when we got the dogs on June 24th, 
it was the day after I did a, a three-day live event uh, for um, they call the ultimate confidence breakthrough. We do it every summer, and we go pick up the dogs like the day after, and uh, we get them, bring them home. It's like the sweetest picking them up, the holding them in the car. I got some pictures of me sitting in the back seat with them in the car. So sweet, so adorable. We bring them home. It's the sweetest thing ever. And our kids are at my grandparents' house down the street, uh, or their grandparents, my parents. And then they, they you know, so they, they bring them home, and then our kids meet our dogs. And it turns from, like, the sweetest, cutest thing to... Oh my God, what have we done? Because the one factor that I did not anticipate was the Monty factor. So my second son, Armand, also known as Monty, was three and a half at the time that we got them. And if you know much about child development, uh, they don't have that much empathy at that age. And empathy being the understanding of what another creature or human feels and being able to respond with compassion or care and restrain yourself in response to the way someone's feeling. So that boy didn't have empathy. And and we knew that. Candace told me, she's like, you know, he terrorized animals at Christmas with our family and stuff. And I was like, ah, whatever. Well, I don't know what my answer was to that, but <laughs> some form of whatever. Anyway, wasn't a great strategy because we got him and it was like, holy cow, this is intense. It's like a really vulnerable puppy. And he's like, I want to drop the puppy. And you're like, so you gotta be right there on him. And thus began probably one of the most challenging months that I could remember in a really long time. I mean, it effed everything up. Like, we're, I'm getting up in the night with the puppies. First of all, the, I'm only going to get up in the night and you're not going to do it. Candace was total BS. <laughs> I just couldn't pull it up. So we, we split the night duty. She actually did more of the night duty. Now I do more of the night duty, but she did a lot more in those first couple months. <laughs> I'm like the teenage kid like don't worry I'll take care of the dog and then I can't do this you take care of it um not that bad but anyway she did a lot of the night duty but uh I mean we couldn't do anything like, I, I had no morning routines um anymore because the, the 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 schedule of the dogs you couldn't just I couldn't just like get up with them at my normal time which was 4 a.m and then just like do nothing with them like they need to be in their pen they need to be taken care of I need to take them out to you know it's need to figure all this stuff out so I messed with my morning routines, messed with my sleep. And then, like, Candace couldn't go to the gym in the morning because it was like, we can't even be literally a foot from them because Armand could just, like, accidentally majorly injure one or at least just majorly freak them out and do some weird imprinting on them. So we had to, like, couldn't make a smoothie because it's like, I can't make a smoothie because of kids, I got to watch my kids. So one person had to be in the little X-Pen with them all the time. It was intense. And it sucked. And I was like, I don't like this. this is, I don't like this. You know, and looking up online, I know a lot of people have a challenge when they get puppies, even if they don't have small kids. And they're sort of like, oh, should I bring it back? And then the recommendation on the Internet is like, no, stick it out. It'll be amazing. And so I definitely had a couple spasms in that first few weeks of like, this was the wrong choice. I don't know about divine guidance and intuition. That sounds like a whole lot of BS to me. All I know is we need to get rid of these puppies fast, you know, before we bond to them, while the breeder will still take them back or whatever. And... Candace, though, was a bit more like, okay, is that really what you want? And we'd slow down and, you know, my emotional storm would pass. And I'd be like, no, no, I, I want to do this. So flash forward, it is some slow freaking going. Oh, my God. It was like everything collapsed in the smallest um, activity space possible and then slowly expanded over many, many, many months. We couldn't even go camping that summer. 
because we, you know, at that young age, we couldn't really leave him with anybody. It was just a, it was a major um, challenge. We did go camping once, we, uh, which I, I love doing camping with my family every summer. So we had someone that could watch the dogs eventually, later in the summer. In any case, made it through the squeeze, the mega squeeze. And <laughs> there started to be more and more little magic moments. More and more sweet moments of love and connection with a lot of work still. And, and, and still some spasms of why did I do this? And, but what I didn't realize until I was looking at the end of this year back into 2019, what was left unresolved? You know, I, I turned a corner and was like, I don't want to get rid of these dogs. I love them. And now I'm super bonded to them. Our family's really bonded to them. They're amazing. It's still a challenge, still growth, definitely, uh, for us to, to, to expand to. But I've definitely adapted in a way. But what I didn't realize is that the, the major residue of that experience that's still impacting me is not the, the painful emotion, is the story in the, that came into my mind. And the story was this. I can't trust myself. I can't trust in intuition. I, I mean, I've, for years, I really cultivated that I'm guided belief and feeling. And it's this mixture of like, my own intelligence, my own desire, but also that I'm guided by something and I'm going to listen for that, that intuition, that divine guidance, something like I, that's a big part of how I've been able to take more risk in the world and grow things. And that really got shaken from puppies, <laughs> you know? And so it affected me. It was like, oh, maybe, maybe that's an illusion. Maybe I can't trust in myself. I don't know, because if I was guided, then why was it so painful and hard and, 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 and then I would have these thoughts of like, oh, man, I'm going to be traveling a lot more in 2020. And I'll talk more about why in future episodes. But traveling a lot more. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to be traveling more. And I got these dogs. Like, ah, uh, that, was, that was the wrong choice. And so a lot of doubt, a lot of that was the wrong choice, even though I wasn't going to get rid of them. Just led to more self-doubt, doubting of my own choices, which is, you know, let me ask you this. If I think, you know, I can't trust myself, I make the wrong choice, even if I feel certain that it's the right choice, I shouldn't make it because maybe it's wrong. If you got that energy going into 2020, how well is that going to go? Not very well. So I was like, I got to clean that shit up. So I'm going to explain how I did that in just a second. How are you? What do you need to clean up? What's your version of puppies from this year? Something really painful that you made a decision or maybe, maybe it made you doubt yourself. Maybe it made you, you know, change your identity in a negative way. Like I'm an anxious person now because I had a panic attack, or I'm no longer a good husband, or I'm no longer a skillful whatever in my job because I made this mistake. You know, what conclusions did you make about yourself this year that you could really benefit from letting go of? So when I sat to, to look at it, I actually ended up talking at a wife, a date with my a wife. I had a wife with my date yesterday. I had a date with my wife um, the other day, which was really fantastic. We hadn't had a date in a couple weeks, and we were both missing that time together. And man, my favorite thing to do on a date with Candace is just talk. You know, we didn't, we didn't want to go to a movie. We didn't want to go out anywhere. Just like just be together and talk and touch and, and share. And so we did that for hours. And in there, I was talking about this, this puppy thing. It's like, hey, I realize this is something I need to let go of. And through that conversation, what was fascinating is I, so she asked me, and I love the way she does this. She's like, okay, tune in to where there's that pain and you can't trust yourself in your body. And I'm like, okay, it's right here in my chest. It's like a squeezing in my heart. She's like, okay. Now tune into that, like, I am guided. This was the right thing to do. Where is that in your body? And I instantly sat up taller, and I could, like, it was, like, right in the center 
of my between my eyes and kind of just in my head face area, almost like there, but going outward and expanding. And I was like, it's like this. And she's like, okay, stay in that. So I just stayed in that energy. And she's like, what's that about? What's that perspective? And I just started laughing. And I was like, from that divine perspective, it's like, dude, your timeline is so short. You're so you're so short. Like I'm operating on a different time frame. This is like cosmic time frame. This is like the interweaving of all lives. And then something hit me like a lightning bolt. And I was like, holy shit. These dogs weren't about me and they weren't for me. This is the interweaving of the cosmos. This is the, everything is infecting everyone else. What if I was getting the dogs for them? Then what if I was getting these dogs mainly for my kids, mainly for Armand? Right? And it's not like that I don't love them and I'm not going to take care of them and they're not a big part of my life too. But I was like, holy shit. Like they, that's, and it just felt so true. And I could see it. I could see how much it's changed him. He's grown rapidly in his, I mean, still, still working on the empathy sometimes. <laughs> but, I mean, in the last six months, he's grown just so much more than he would have. And he loves those dogs. I mean, I think he might love them more than anyone in our family, even though he's the hardest on them too. <laughs> just deep bonding with them. So much growth for them, how to, how to take care of animals. And more, right? Ways I can't even explain. That's the point. I don't need to explain it. And that's what I realized. I don't need to be able to explain it. And it doesn't need to always lead to my own immediate personal pleasure. My choices are not, that divine guidance is not about me getting my own pleasure in the max way and the least amount of pain. It's about doing something that is I'm guided to do. And it's, and it's, and it's right, and it's not just necessarily right for me. It it's, serves and contributes to the greater good. And as soon as I saw that, boom, that feeling in my heart went away. It felt open and expansive, a little bit tender and bruised because I think there was a contraction there for so long. But it just felt open and light. I'm like, ah, I get it now. And then all of a sudden, all that doubt that had been in there for a long time in the background just evaporated. And I came back into a state of certainty in myself, certainty that I'm guided, that everything's unfolding for the best benefit and that life is happening for me. That all whooshed back in. And I'm just like, ah, now that feels good going into 2020. So that was the main thing that I would suggest you do going into 2020 to make sure it's a better year than 2019 is to really let go of anything that you've been holding on to. And you might have done some while you're listening to this episode. You might need to do a little bit more. Maybe take a little bit of time, go for a walk, reflect on what it might be, or let it just come to you. Maybe it'll come to you in the shower. It doesn't have to be today either. It's not like you got to get it in before 2020 starts or you're screwed. It's not like that, but you know, giving it some intention, some thought, well, I think really serve you. And then, then you can go to the place of what do I really want for 2020? And let's look at that now for just a moment. What do you really want for 2020? What excites you? What lights you up? Is it something you want to do, something you want to create? Something you want to achieve? Certain experiences that you might want to have. Maybe certain experiences you want to have with somebody else. Travel, adventure, love, connection, sex. What do you really want? What do you want to turn around in 2020? Maybe maybe it's not terrible in 2019, but you just want to make it better. You're like, you know, I don't want to settle. I want to keep raising my standards. I want things to keep getting better in my life. 
So maybe your fitness is okay. You want to take it to the next level. What would that look like? You want to sign up for a race, 10K, half marathon, Sparta race? Do you want to have some specific target of days in the gym or a certain strength goal? What about in your relationships? What, how you want to take your, your, the quality of your friendships, social connections, romantic relationship? How do you want to take that to the next level? And, and before the exact what you're going to do day to day, like just really focus on the what do you really want? What's the end result? What's the vision? What are the experiences? What's the big picture? Don't worry right now about how it's going to get done. Because as soon as you start to think about how too soon, your mind's like, well, is it really possible? I don't know. Just this is what I want. This is the vision. And really go more by feeling and intuition here than by your head. Your head comes in later to help you come up with some strategies. But let the vision come through you and to you. And I think our vision for what we want, not just for this year, but for our lives, is actually an intersection of our desire, what we want, and then what life wants of us, what God wants us to do. So it's this mixture. And even if you're not a religious person or a spiritual person, although I think we all are spiritual on some level, we got to have some connection to something, even if you have a different name for it, maybe you call it the universe, maybe you call it fate, maybe you call it infinite intelligence, Something, right? Something insanely beyond us is in this cosmos. Even if you think it's purely mechanical, it's pretty vast, pretty infinitely expansive and mind-boggling. So those cosmic forces are at work, right? Everything is unfolding. Everything is originated with the Big Bang, we think, right? And now it's like everything's unfolding. Everything's in motion. Everything's interweaving. So what's the interweaving of that and you? The Tao. So tuning into that. And you can spend more time with this. I absolutely would. I love to get a flavor for the year. Like what is the theme? And then I'll share one more thing with you that I think will really serve you. And this is what I ask myself when I turned 37, which was in November. And But it's, you know, it's going to be for my 37th year, which is mostly all of 2020. And it was this. To make this year, the best year of my life. Where I could really look back at the end of the year and say, wow, that truly, I'm not just saying that because that was my goal and I had to say I achieved it. But like, honestly, that was the happiest I've ever felt, the most fun I've ever had, the most I've ever grown, the most successes and breakthroughs I've felt, not just externally, but internally, right? Just the best year of my life. I loved it because you can achieve a lot externally and still feel anxious, empty, stressed out, dissatisfied. Fuck that. That's not success. So I want to have outer goals that I'm working to achieve, but also, most importantly, I want to feel incredible. I want to be like, what an amazing year. So what's the one thing I need to do every day that will bring that about? That's the question I ask myself. What's the daily discipline that I must have that will bring that about? What comes to your mind for that? I came up with two things. Wim Hof training and my courage habit or confidence strength training, whatever you want to call it. So the 
uh, Wim Hof training is uh, just two things that I, that I learned from him from a couple years ago. And when I was doing them regularly, it felt really good for my body, for my nervous system, strengthening me, clearing emotions, just really good. And it involves doing four rounds of hyperventilating, basically, deep breath work, um, like full in breath, 30 of them, and then holding your breath for as long as you can. And it's like a form of a workout in a way. And I would kind of some days do it, some days not, be resistant. I was like, nope, I got to do it every day and do a cold shower. Two minutes every day, no matter what. And so that's the Wim Hof stuff. And then the other thing was the courage habit, which is do one thing per day that scares me or makes me uncomfortable because of its... um, not just physically uncomfortable, but like, uh, you know, because like, oh, like running further or whatever. No, but like it makes me uneasy in some way. And I also call that confidence strength training because it's the same thing. <laughs> and sometimes that has a, or the courage muscle. There's different ways of thinking about it. So I said, okay, those are the two things I'm going to do every day. And to support me in that, I, I had an app that I was using called Momentum which you can kind of track your, your daily habits on there. But then someone told me about, a friend of mine told me about Habit Share, which is really awesome. Habit Share is an app you can get uh, for your phone that allows you to track your daily habits. You know, did you do it or not, basically? Or if not, you know, why not? <laughs> you, could, you could type it in if you want. And then, though, what makes it uniquely awesome is you can share your habits, whichever ones you like. You can have some private ones, but you share the ones you want with friends who are also on the app, and you could see their habits, and so you could see who's doing what. And that extra layer of accountability is powerful. It makes a big difference. Of course, you got to really have your own desire to do it, right? That's not going to do anything if you don't, um, if you're not internally motivated. But it just definitely helps. There are definitely times where it's like late at night, and I'm like, I don't want to do that thing, but I'd get a red circle. Jonathan would see it. I got it. All right, <laughs> let's do it, right? And it's sort of an identity thing. Like I'm going to follow through because I said I was going to follow through. And show other people that I said I was going to do it. So it really helped uh, tip the scales. And I've been consistently doing that every day. And it's not a perfectionism thing. If you miss a day, that's okay. But what is the thing that's going to get you that result? Because that is the, like the wish and the fantasy and the hope is nothing until you have a daily discipline in place that's going to move you closer to that. So if you have a fitness desire, what's your daily discipline? I have one of those for the gym, by the way. I, I, what I started to do is add more and more in different key areas of my life. So, but start with the one. What's the one thing? I, I know I came up with two. So if you're an overachiever, you can do that as well. But beware creating 19 habits that you're going to do every day because you're not going to be able to sustain that. At least not at first. There's a different process for that, which I'll probably talk more about in a future episode of how you can start, you know, start small and add to it. But for now, what's the one thing that you're going to do every day that will, or maybe it's, you know, you pick Monday through Friday or something. But you're, you're clear ahead of time what days you're not doing it if you're not doing it on a certain day. That, that's going to bring you the best year of your life. Beautiful. So that decision right there that you're going to make is your action step. In fact, let's pause right now and discuss that. Time for action. 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 Your action step for this today and into the new year is going to be to ask yourself that question. Well, it's two things, right? One is to find what's the one thing or several things from 2019 that are energetically, emotionally, mentally incomplete 
stuck, lodged, that might be affecting your, your perception, your identity, your belief, your faith in yourself, your confidence in yourself, and focus on that. Journal about it. Talk about it with a friend. Work like Do some work on it to let it go. And then step two of the action step is to decide or ask yourself that question and let, let it come to you. I found that it's a mixture of you just ask that question and see what comes to your mind and then tune in. Does that feel right for me? But what's the one thing that I'll need to do every day to make 2020 the best year of my life? So do those two things and you are set up for an incredible year. I cannot wait to continue this journey with you onward and upward. I personally want 2020 to be the most epic year of my life. And I hope that it is the same for you in whatever way epic is for you. Of growth, excitement, adventure, becoming the most confident version of you that you've ever experienced. And all the joys that come from that. Being able to connect more freely, share your ideas more freely, create what it is you truly want to create and having an extraordinary level of life for 2020 and beyond. So let's buckle up and step into 2020 and have an incredible journey together. Until next week, may you have the courage to be who you are and to know on a deep level that you're awesome. Thanks for listening to Shrink for the Shy Guy with Dr. Aziz. If you know anyone who can benefit from what you've just heard, please let them know and send them a link to shrinkfortheshyguy.com. For free blogs, ebooks, and training videos related to overcoming shyness and increasing confidence, go to socialconfidencecenter.com.